So, this year, vision focus of draw near. And we're looking at that throughout the year in various different forms. And within that, one of our key themes is about raising expectations. So as we go through this series on faith, we're looking at raising expectations of faith. Josh started this series a fortnight ago with an introduction to faith. And then last week, Anne talked about sharing our faith with those who don't yet believe. Next week, we'll be looking at faith in the workplace. And then the series concludes with looking at faith in the vision God gives us. Today, the theme is faith in our families. Now, I have heard preachers um, telling how whenever they mention their kids in a sermon, they give their kids 20p or something, because yeah, if they're using them, they have to, to do that. Don't get excited. Now, I don't do that. <laughs> but I do try and limit how often I refer to the boys, because... It's a bit embarrassing for teenagers to get their dad standing at the front talking about them. But when I saw the theme was faith in our families, I thought, well, how can I talk about families without talking about my boys? But I am going to try. I'm going to try not to embarrass him too much. But before I start talking about families, let's start by talking about the faith bit. Let's start by defining what we mean by faith. Hebrews 11.1 says, Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Put it simply, the Bible teaches us that faith is about trusting in something that you cannot explicitly prove. Trusting is the key word there. Faith is more than just belief. We can believe that Jesus is God. We can believe that God is love. We can believe that Jesus came to save us through his death and resurrection. But faith is more than that. It's more than just an intellectual exercise. It's about taking that belief and putting our trust in that in which we believe. A common illustration of this is a chair. Intellectual assent is recognising that a chair is a chair and agreeing that it's been designed to support a person who sits on it. And you can examine it and work out Yes, this is a chair. How strong is this chair? Will it take my weight? Trusting the chair is sitting on it. It's something different entirely. Many people believe in Jesus. Many people believe what the Bible says. But as James points out in his letter, James 2.19, even the demons believe in God. Faith is about putting our trust in those beliefs and living that out in our lives day by day. Trusting in God is about personally and fully relying on the death of Christ as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. 
We must sit in the chair of the salvation that Christ has provided. This is saving faith. This is the faith that God requires of us. And this definition of faith doesn't only apply to the moment of salvation, it's equally applicable to the rest of our Christian lives. We are to believe what the Bible says and we are to obey it. We are to believe the promises of God and we are to live according to them. We are to agree with the truth of God's words and we are to allow ourselves to be transformed by that as it says in Romans 12 too. In fact, if we use the chair illustration, it's not only about believing that the chair will hold us and so sitting on it. Sometimes it's about sitting on the chair even when we don't believe it will hold us. When we're pretty sure it won't take us. If we've got faith, if we've got trust in God, we will sit on that chair whether or not we believe it will hold us because that is what he has called us to. We all have good days and bad days, I'm sure. I'm sure there are days when we believe everything, we have no problem at all. But I'm sure for most of us there are also days when things aren't going so well where times are tough, where we struggle to believe that is God really there in all these things that happen? Faith is not about just blindly believing. Faith is about making that decision. It's about choosing to trust. So that is the faith that we're looking at. And this morning, we're looking at faith in the vitally important topic of faith within the family. And it's so important because it's within the family that we learn so much. Yes, we might gain some knowledge from schools, he says, looking at a teacher. We do learn something from schools. But we learn so much more from those that we live with, from those around us, from those we spend time with, and particularly from our families. So much of who we are, of what we're like, of our attitudes and our ways of being, are just picked up from living life. How many of you have ever found yourself thinking, oh, I do sound like my dad, or, oh yes, I can see my mum doing that, We all turn out to be very much like them in lots of ways as life goes on, however much we might not want to. Yes, there are some things that they consciously teach us. I know my mum taught me how to do a Sunday roast. She taught me how to bake a cake and I can remember deliberately choosing to teach me to do those things. But there are lots of things that I just picked up. I always reverse into a parking spot. I know if you reverse in, you'll be able to drive out forwards easily. But if you drive in forwards, you might not be able to reverse out. 
So it makes sense to me that if you should always reverse into a parking spot. No one's ever taught me that. No one's ever sat me down and said that. But that's what my dad has always done. And so that is what I have learnt to do. I've just picked it up from living life with him. I've picked up other things as well. Occasionally I find myself singing little ditties. My aunt's name is Ella Wella Water Bottle. She lives down in Burton-on-Trent. When she goes out riding on a bicycle, she always gets her handlebars bent. I have absolutely no idea what that is or where it comes from. (laughs) But it's something that I've just picked up because it's something that my dad has sung for some reason when I was a kid. And it's soaked into my mind. I don't even know if I'm getting the words right. It doesn't really matter. It's just a tune that goes through my head. And there's also less tangible things. I've seen my dad give a great deal of his time in service of one kind or another down through the years. As a lad, I remember he was scout leader for many, many years and the hours he put in to that, not only leading the scouts but preparing the meetings and taking them away on camps and all sorts of things. And he's been involved in a number of different charities since they retired. Him and my mum have spent a lot of time with a charity called Lacoma Link, working... um, towards supporting Likoma Island, which is an island in the middle of Lake Malawi in Africa. And my mum and my dad twice went out and spent three or four months on Likoma Island serving and supporting the work after they'd turned 70 because that's the kind of people they are. I remember the hours my dad put into editing the church magazine in the church where I grew up, back in the days before word processors, where they had a printing machine which basically involved him cranking a handle to turn out every single page. But that's the kind of man he is. I don't claim to be anything like that. But those things that I do do those times when I do help people, I know it's because I've been influenced by watching him and I've learnt from the way he lives his life. He has taught me other things as well. He's taught me that speed limits are minimums, not maximums. So it's not necessarily all good. Not something I'm necessarily proud of. Not something he ever intended. But I grew up with a dad who went rather fast and I've grown up to do the same and I'm sure there's some influence there. But good or bad, I'm sure we've all learnt from our parents, especially from our families, 
from those we grew up with and spent the most time with as young people. And if we've learned from them, is it not going to be the true that others will learn from us? If the generation before have passed things on to us, we will pass things on to the generation to come, whether we want to or not. They will look to us and copy us and follow us. And that's what we're reading about in today's passage from Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy is a bit of a strange book because it appears to be mainly repeats. If you turn back from the passage we've just read in chapter 6, for example, to chapter 5, you'll find it's almost an identical copy of Exodus chapter 20. It's the telling of the Ten Commandments. And you kind of look at it and think, well, why are they doing all this again? Well, what Deuteronomy actually is, the reason for this apparent repetition, is it's a record of a speech made by Moses. This was just before he died. It's the last thing, basically, he said before he died. He made this speech to the people of Israel and they themselves are about to cross the Jordan into the promised land. So this is an important, significant moment in the history of Israel. It's the end of one era, the end of 40 years of wandering in the desert and the start of the new era of the life in the promised land. And Moses is taking this opportunity of reminding them of the most important things. It's also worth noting that this is 40 years after they escaped from Egypt. This is 40 years after the giving of the Ten Commandments. This is 40 years after things happening like the golden calf and many of the stories we associate with Moses. They've spent 40 years just wandering around the desert and in that time, the generation that escaped from Egypt has died out. And we have an entirely new generation, a generation born in the desert, who never knew slavery, who weren't there to es- when the escape across the Red Sea happened. And it's them that Moses is addressing. He's telling this new generation the important stories and teaching them what they need to know. And in doing this, he's trying to impress on them the importance of passing on that teaching to the next generation. But not in formal lessons but in the living of life. That's why he says, impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up, just when you're doing life. Share the stories with the next generation. 
Not once a week on the Sabbath, but in everything you do. As I've already said, faith is about more than just a set of beliefs that we agree to intellectually. It's about living out those beliefs in our everyday lives as we put our trust in God for everything, in every situation. So this idea of faith ties in neatly with this instruction to pass it on by living it out. It's all about living it out. If we put our faith in God, that means we're living it out. And this will affect the whole of our lives. It will affect us when we sit at home and when we walk along the road and when we lie down and when we get up. And if we want to be able to share as we sit and walk, then we need to be able to put our faith in God, to put our trust in him rather than just say we believe. And our families are the ones who see us as we really are. We can put on a show on a Sunday morning for an hour and we can look quite good. We may even be able to put on a bit of a front when we go to work during the week. But when we get home... Our family will see the real us. We can't pretend the whole time. And so we need to be living it in our lives, in our families. Because they will learn from us whether we want them to or not. So, for any of you who do have a family at home, the message is simple. It starts with making a choice. Choose to put your trust in God. Choose to have faith in God. And then live it out in your life and share that life with your family. It's a choice we make. If you don't have children at home, but maybe you've got grandchildren. You can choose to live it out with them. But for those of us who maybe don't have a young family at home, the message is also simple. For all of us, with children without, we're all part of the church family. We all share our lives with those who are sat beside us here on a Sunday morning. We can all share our lives and share our faith with the next generation. In a practical way, I know that cogs are desperate for leaders. Is that an opportunity for you to share your life, to share your faith with the young people? Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But we all have the opportunity to share our lives with people 
and so share our faith. And even if we don't have children and we don't want and we're not called to share with children in something like Cox, we are all living our lives with everyone around us and we can share with the next generation, even if that next generation are grown-ups. We can share with the next generation, the next in terms of the next spiritual generation, even if they're actually older than us. Yes? If we've come to faith, we may spiritually be older than somebody who is older than us in years, and we can share with them. It is easier to have an influence on young people. They are more susceptible, shall we say. But we all go on learning throughout our whole lives. We all go on picking up things. We all go on learning from other people. So we can share with older people as well as younger people. It's not purely about young children. Our theme for the year is drawing near. And we're looking at the idea of raising expectations and how we can raise expectations of faith. The reality is, for all of us, we can have more. And for all of us, we can share more. And there are so many opportunities. Today is Come to Lunch Sunday. I don't know how many of you are either hosting or going to share lunch with someone. But it's an opportunity to share our lives with others and share our faith and have them share their faith with us. There's men's ministry activities and women's ministry activities and things going on all the time where we can share our lives with people, share our lives with the wider family. There are home groups which offer a chance to regularly meet with a small group and to get to know them much deeper. There are loads of opportunities for us to share our lives with our families. One last thought I had was for those who have actual family members who are not yet Christians. It can be tough. Trusting God. When we pray, and we pray, and we pray, sometime for many, many years, and family members, children, don't seem to come to know God. As Anne said last week, we need to keep on praying. (coughs) Trusting God will move at the right time. Ultimately, they will be saved by God's grace, not our hard work. 
we should be faithful. To go back to our chair illustration, we should do what we can to sit in the chair each day and pray for them. But we sit in the chair, we place our faith in God, we put our trust in him for them. Sometimes that can be even harder than trusting him for ourselves. It may feel as if the chair is broken. But we are called to put our trust in him, to sit in the chair again and to keep on praying for them. So, let's choose, let's choose to put our trust in God. Let's choose faith, faith that lives out in everything we do. Let's choose faith in the lives that we live and share those lives firstly with our immediate family, and then with the wider family, so that they will learn from us and that we can learn from them. And let's live that life of faith. Amen.